Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt, and I'm here with Jill Reese, the founder of Oaks Ministry Collaborative. We've had Jill on the podcast before. We've talked about Oaks Ministry. We've also talked about, I think, gender roles one time. You did your, it was like two or three years ago, and then you yeah. did your uh, testimony. And so people should be fairly familiar with, with you. But for those people who are newer to the podcast, do you just want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, as Andy said, I uh, started and am running a ministry called Oaks, and it's meant to be within the local church or local churches. Mm-hmm. And it started within High Point Church in Madison. But um, the goal is to equip the church to be a real rehabilitative community for people who are in the healing process. Mm-hmm. And we use the word rehabilitation very intentionally because um, we can get really stuck in our wounds as Christians and it really impacts our faith. But I, th- they're in the gospel and by the power of the spirit and in the truths of scripture and in the community of the local church, we can redeem and rehabilitate each other. And so the word Oaks, the name Oaks comes from Isaiah 61, which is a passage that Luke, I'm sorry, Jesus says in Luke four that he is fulfilling. And it talks about how God will restore his people and how he does that. He binds up the the brokenhearted and he replaces their shame with honor and glory. And, um, it says about those people that they are called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then that the actions that they do is that they participate in that work of restoration also. And so that's where that name came from. That's a little bit about Oaks and a little bit about me, mm. but um, more about me. I also am. That's just one thing that I participate in. Um, and I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I have, well, I have three kids, um, ages six, three and two. And yeah, I, oh, I'm getting my master's of social work at UW. So those are some things cool about yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you've worked at high point too. You've worked oh, with yes. Nick. Um, Nick I've... helps with Oaks for people who obviously not, might know mm-hmm. Nick. Um, so anyways, that's, that's you. Okay. Yes. So let's get into this. So Great. name of this podcast is what is anger, which is a huge question. I think it's interesting. I think, it kind of fits well with what you're doing uh, as this podcast yeah. is also going to be kind of cross posted on the Oaks podcast and on Optic Theology podcast. But with what you're doing and trying to lead people towards healing, I'm sure that you come across a lot of angry people. And so that uh, we're kind of going to be discussing anger. And then I think it's interesting, I guess, from my perspective, like I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm just like pissed off at a lot of different things and I'm trying to figure out w- how to deal with it and whether or not some of my anger is justified or good, how to channel the anger or which, which anger is just totally unbiblical bitterness, hatred, malice, which is which. And I think that anger is an interesting topic anyways, because biblically you'll see, you know, okay, so I'm going to read two verses or like four verses, but two sections out of Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's, that's Ephesians 4:31, And then, and then Ephesians 4:26 says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Um, give no opportunity to the devil. So this seems, this is like a very complex question. And I think because all other sins in the Bible, like lust, lying, cheating, stealing, it's like, just don't do that. And that's the command. But here we have, well, don't be angry, but also be angry and don't sin. 
And so it just makes for, for a interesting, confusing topic that I think a lot of people might use one to feel like they're a good person because they don't lash out in certain ways. And then one, and then also they, they might say, well, I, I'm not angry. And then they're never angry, even at things that need, they need to be angry at. And then some people will use the verse of be angry, do not sin and say, I'm angry and then never be able to detect whether or not their anger is sinful. And so, okay. With that being mm-hmm. said, I think we should start with just a general question and and then go, go into this uh, in more detail. But Jill, I guess this is difficult. I'm realizing right now, what is anger? I you just want to start with what is anger and then we'll kind of move through this this document that we have here. Great. Um okay. So anger, I think it's confusing in to it, it's not very upfront in the Bible. Like it's not defined upfront what it is and that is because it's a feeling. So we were talking before starting recording of some other sins like lust like there's never a spot where it's like feel lust or be lustful and then do not sin like Mm -hmm. that is a sin right right right. so um but anger is a feeling and so feelings are not reality but they're tuned to our reality and our reality is either determined by our flesh or our godliness uh, and the spirit in us. And I mean, most human beings are going to be somewhere in the, in between mm-hmm. our flesh and, and godliness, mm-hmm. right. As we're on this earth, hopefully moving more and more towards godliness mm-hmm. and em, em, um, emulating that. So anger is complicated because uh, it is a feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's not directly a sin. And in general, the feeling of anger. So God created all of our emotions. He feels emotions. It says that throughout scripture that he feels emotions. And um, so anger is one of them that God feels. He feels wrath um, and anger towards sin. Mm -hmm. So anger is a reaction to something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, David... Polison or Paulison, I'm not I'm not sure how to say his name mm-hmm. out loud. I've never done it actually, I'm realizing. Um, but he wrote a book called Good and Angry, and it's a very helpful resource. But he has um this framework for what anger is, uh, that to kind of break down like what does it mean that I'm reacting to something is wrong? Mm-hmm. And so one is that I identify some perceived wrong. And per- perception is really important there because again, anger is tuned to our flesh or our godliness. So like our perception is going to be also dependent on those things. Can I give like a practical Mm -hmm. example of how that would work? I think, um, and I've run, I've come across this several times in my life that I will perceive something as wrong because of some sort of traditional experience that I've had. Maybe growing up, we have a family tradition or culture, uh, you know, where, okay, for instance, like, I grew up in an alcoholic family. My dad was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. I'm sure there was other alcoholics in the family tree. And so for me, alcohol is bad and wrong, period, full stop. And we live in Wisconsin where everybody's an alcoholic and coming from an alcoholic family and people who don't think they're alcoholics are still alcoholics. And so for me, it was just full stop. That's just wrong. And then, you know, in scripture, obviously 
there's not a lot of wiggle room. You can't be drunk, but you can drink a beer. And so for me, I was kind of just anti-alcohol all the way. And then I would tell people, no, you just can't drink, period. And while that might be like a wise thing for some people, that isn't an objective sin clearly written out in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I perceive that as being an objective sin when that should have gone in the... I don't want to. I don't like to say the ambiguous category, but just that it's it's in a category of prudence and discernment rather yeah. than this is a f- full on full stop. You can't do this. Right. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good example because a lot of us are really easy, offended. We're offended by things that feel wrong to us because they're different. Yeah. yeah. Than us or our yeah. own perceptions or or I I don't even want to say perceptions our own uh, preferences, right. and so that can feel like truth because. You might have just grown up your whole life with it, right? So that's a really good example. And Paul was dealing with this in the New Testament. Yep. In the I mean, Corinthians be, be, uh, church. Yeah. The, I mean, the the Jews interacting with Christianity looked different than the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And just that's like the whole different denominations and everything. That's just what we're dealing with all the time. And so, you know. Yeah. So that's that's really a, a good example. Um, two. So that the first one was identify... Some perceived wrong can lead us to anger. Mm-hmm. Then I take a stance of disapproval of mm-hmm. it. So that is basically we are judging it in that moment as morally wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you're saying. You're making the leap of it's wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm deciding it's morally wrong. So mm-hmm. it's like becomes a moral category instead of maybe it's just a preference. Maybe yeah. it's something annoying. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's something hurtful mm-hmm. too, but they it's not a direct sin. Um, as in like they don't really realize it's sort of ignorance. Um so yeah, it's this basically is, a moral judgment then that we are making as a human being. This is, I think, where I immediately think in my head, and I'm sure a lot of people who are like me listening to this think, uh, okay, what if you know that something that isn't an objective sin always leads to sin? Like, okay, like for for example, alcohol. Like, I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I know a couple people who can have one or two drinks and say no. Most of the people that I know can't actually do that. And they kind of start to go into that drunkenness or being buzzed or whatever. And and so or all of my experiences in my life have been watching people never be able to say no to that. Uh, what do you what do you say to people who are immediately thinking, OK, yeah, that, that sounds good. But what if you you know, I, I take a stance on I disapprove of something because I know what it's going to lead to. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm making precautions and, and telling people, if you do that, you're going to go here. Is that, is that's, yeah, that's a good, um, I think that leads to the third point. So okay, the third cool. point, these are kind of in progression. Like you identify a perceived mm-hmm. wrong, you take a stance of depro- disapproval and then you're in some mm-hmm. way moved to action. And so that's the part where like you can be angry at injustice because, or, or something wrong because you know what the outcome is going to be before someone else sees it. Mm -hmm. But then it's how we are moved to act in that, that can get us in trouble. That can move us to sin and not just, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling anger. Does that make sense? Right. So, and I mean, we also judge people in our minds and can, that can Mm -hmm. grow bitter. So I, that's a little bit too much of a line probably, Mm -hmm. but um, I think the answer to your question of like, what if you just know where, or you think you know where it's going to lead? It's more of, are we, how are we putting ourselves in the place of God in terms of judgment mm-hmm. and vengeance and um, justification mm-hmm. in our anger? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, that that just reminds me of the verse, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness yes. of God. And that right. that's, that's something that I got to remember. I mean, Andrea and I talk a lot about that verse because we are, are, we're 
I don't know, our proclivity or whatever is towards trying to set up a bunch of precautionary boundaries before you get to the sin. What we think, well, and this is kind of my philosophy on life, why I probably think most people are stupid. But if you flirt, like if you put your hand close to the fire and you say you're not going to touch it, but, you know, you don't know what the fire is going to. I mean, the, you know, you might still get burned. Just keep your hands away from the fire. And that becomes kind of that really quickly can become legalism mm-hmm. very fast. And that but but it's also very attractive because you can keep people from doing the things that you perceive as morally wrong which is a control tactic, which is a manipulation. Mm-hmm. And then you become kind of like a, a pharisaical heretic. And then you probably will go to hell. <laughs> so, wow. That all escalated really fast. That, yeah. um, <laughs> there you go. I don't know how to respond to that. Right. Do you want me to respond to that? You right don't now? Have or, to, okay. No, you okay. don't have to. I, that's yeah. just what, that's a comment. Came that's what you were thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Can we, Okay. One thing I want to do quickly, which I should have done before we went through those those three points that you just made, was that the one time I think in Scripture we see Christ, we see him angry a couple of times, but the time where, like, I don't know, Jesus, like, quote, unquote, like, lashes out. It's the more popular yeah. example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is at the temple, he flips the tables. And as I was doing research for this podcast and reading through it, uh, I recognized that it said that um, that his disciples remembered what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. That Jesus' uh, actions and his anger, the word anger isn't actually used in that entire passage in Scripture uh, in John 2, but the word zeal describes his frustration with what was happening at the temple. Is there any sort of... Uh, difference between anger and zeal or are those kind of just interchangeable you can use them whenever you want yeah and this this is where just for full disclosure i don't know greek i wish i did in this instance but um just look so what we can do then in interpreting scripture as people who don't know greek is to look at the context and Mm -hmm. this is true also for the ephesians passages Mm -hmm. which maybe we'll get back to but the contexts of Jesus's anger in these passages is really important. Mm -hmm. So, um, or his actions that seem to be out of anger Mm -hmm. slash zeal. So, um, in this passage in John two, I think we can classify zeal. Zeal is like an action that is passionate. So it's like a, it's like an expression of Mm -hmm. passion and it's, um, and anger can lead to passion, right? And we can be zealous for lots of things. Again, mm-hmm. if zeal is a feeling, it's like tuned to our godliness or our um, corruption. But um, I see this the zeal as an action of something that made Jesus angry was impurity. So mm-hmm. you see that a lot in James, that um, theme of purity. Mm-hmm. Uh and you see it also in the Beatitudes, the pure in heart shall see God. And so those are, those are way passages that kind of either talk about the antithesis of acting out in anger, um, the Beatitudes in specifically. And then in James, it talks about anger quite a bit and also purity. And so um, I think it's really important to note that what made Jesus angry such that he would, he would act in righteous anger and zeal mm-hmm. is impurity in the house of God. Mm-hmm. So um, 
because it corrupts everything for everyone else. So it's not just that he was offended and was lashing out. Um, he saw he he needed people to see that this does not this is impure. It needs to get out right now. Like the impurity needs to come out. And so he drove it out. He wasn't just throwing a temper tantrum. The action and the end was that the impurity would be gone. He was purifying the temple. Which Does that make you, sense? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking now, if you draw a direct connection to when we cause our body the temple, this is in some essence a picture of the gospel in Christ's zeal for mm-hmm. our salvation mm-hmm. in our temple, our hearts, him coming in and like cleaning that crap out because there's a bunch of trash in there that he needs to clean out. And that's, I mean, that's a, I think that's a connection. I don't, I don't think I've made until right now, which is interesting. You can also see it in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is mm-hmm. a tough book to read, but yeah. um, lots of zeal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wrath. Um, but in Ezekiel eight, it says that, um, like the wrath of God came because there were idols hidden in the wall of the temple and the idol in the temple was jealousy. That's what, yeah. that's what made, that was the impurity. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason for God's wrath. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's really important to notice again, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of, righteousness of God. We are mm-hmm. angry often about different things than mm-hmm. God is angry about mm-hmm. and lesser things. It's almost like, like my daughter can get angry when I don't give her candy at 9 a.m. because mm-hmm. she thinks that's an injustice. Mm-hmm. She thinks she deserves it. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. obviously sure. like it's easy right. to look at a kid and be like, ha ha. You don't deserve so breakfast. So cute. You like, yeah. <laughs> um, but but we do that as adults and humans mm-hmm. all the time where we think like I deserve that or that was wrong mm-hmm. against me. And we're not angry about purity and impurity and right and wrong mm-hmm. morally, according to like God's ways and his truth. But we are angry that we didn't get what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so in this passage, Jesus is is uh, showing us. I mean, I think he's showing us a type of anger that is biblically justified, that is righteous. The The next question that I would have, because I think people jump straight to, okay, because Jesus did it, then I can do it. And and while uh, I have brought that up to people and they'll be like, well, you're not Jesus. I think that that's a stupid, terrible argument because our goal in life is to become like Christ. So my question is, though, there are justified anger and wrath that God himself can pour out on people that we can't, for example, hell. I mean, I'm not going to be able to pour out the wrath of, of hell on somebody, but God can justifiably do that. And so the, the question here would be, is this, is this an example of justified anger that then can be translated to your everyday Christian? If Mm -hmm. we are able to discern a situation that uh, is similar to this, or is this a Jesus God, uh, only situation where Jesus comes in and he cleans the temple out because he's the only one who can do that. Which is that? I think in this case, again, it's helpful to look at context and look more at the new Testament and, or the gospel specifically and see what other things Jesus seemed to act out of anger in. Mm -hmm. One of them is in John 11 when Lazarus, his friend dies, Mm -hmm. which he knows is going to happen. Um, Right. Because, well, first of all, he's God, but also he in his providence doesn't come right away. 
and he tells his disciples, you know, he's sleeping, like, and he'll wake up. So he wants to raise him from the dead. But still, uh, when he gets to the tomb, it says that Jesus wept and he was angry. Like, that's what it says. He was, he was deeply disturbed. Some translations say angry. And so it's really important to know to have the right enemy too. So he was angry at death. Like he was angry that Lazarus died, that death, I mean, quote unquote one in that situation, because that is wrong. That is, I mean, that's injustice. That's injustice. And that's the result of impurity, right? Sin leads to death. And so it's like, it's a reflection of the curse and sin. I gotta gotta say that's not injustice. I screwed that up. I don't think that's injustice. That sin leading to death is justified death. But I think Christ was, angry and sad that maybe sin had entered the world i mean that sin right. was here i mean period. that is the i mean that is injustice period is that sin like existing is that like right. we Not harm that, each okay. other because we sin against each yeah. other yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that yeah. leads to death it yeah. has it has a huge moral weight yeah. and gravity to it i think there's something also there to the fact that jesus has the power over the death he can bring lazarus back to life and yet he'll takes a moment to be sad, to, to be angry, to weep over this. I think that uh, flies in the face a little bit of some of the charismatics that I know that are just, and some of the more charismatic Christians who say, just walk, you know, walk in this victory. Just Christ is one. You should always, you know, you should always be happy and always be, I mean, Jesus knows he's one over this death in this situation. I would assume he knows he's going to bring this guy back to life, but he still weeps over the, the current situation, the existing truth that this dude's dead and that's because of sin, that there's some sort of, maybe he's trying to show us that even though, you know, Christ does have the power over death, it doesn't mean that, that the reality of death and sin isn't a, you know, something to mourn over, something to weep over, that that's actually worth taking time to do that for some odd reason that I can't figure out right now. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to that next. Yeah, right. But yeah, another another situation uh, throughout scripture is how Jesus responds to Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And so you'll notice that with sinners who are repentant and who are coming to him, mm-hmm. he is like, so sometimes people read the gospels and they're like, Jesus is so mean and harsh, right? Yeah. I think instead he's very straightforward and honest. Right. And as Americans, we can't handle that. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and so I think sometimes he's not, mm-hmm. maybe he's not angry. Right. He's just being straightforward, right. Right. which is great right. and very refreshing and the right thing to do. But, um, cause we don't know his tone. We're like reading right. his tone into it. Yeah. However, yeah. like calling someone a brood of vipers does probably means he's angry. Right. Right. Like, like the Pharisees, right. his I'm, response to them is that he will just tell them. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was in a calm tone. Maybe he just said, you are a brood of vipers. Mm-hmm. You need to know right. that. And right. so I, I think yeah. his um in those moments, what he's doing in his anger, again, I think it's about distorting the truth. Like they are distorting the truth mm-hmm. for people in such a way that it corrupts um their like their understanding of God yeah. and themselves and redemption. And so he is angry about that and he his response to it is to align with reality, to say mm-hmm. what's real right now is not that. Like you can, you can, you can sound good all day long, but what's reality is that you are a brood of vipers. You are a whitewashed tomb and everyone needs to know that so that we're aligning with truth. And this is echoed in Galatians when Paul is saying, you know, 
uh, or anybody who distorts the gospel that he previously had brought to the Galatians, let them be accursed. And he repeats that twice, that when you start to distort, yeah, Paul is probably taking from Christ's uh, frustrations with the Pharisees and saying the same, I mean, the same message is being told in Galatians through the whole book. Don't add to the gospel. Don't become Pharisees. Don't become legalistic. The, you know, the laws has been fulfilled through Christ, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. The, the, but the frustration with Christ and with Paul seems to be in, in you're right. in like in the distortion of the truth, when you start to screw around with the truth, they seem to have no tolerance for that. And they, I mean, Paul, I guess there probably wasn't exclamation points in Greek, but we added them in in English. I don't know why there's probably some good reason for that. But in Galatians, it's like, well, the exclamation point I think comes from the fact that it's, it's repeated that the repetition mm. adds, I think that's emphasis. what I've heard. Yeah, it yeah. adds emphasis on it. And so, yeah, that's interesting that the distortion is what f- makes these guys frustrated. Yeah. And, and I think it gets back to in the Beatitudes, I think that's sort of it in a way like that's what I've gone to mm-hmm. in when I feel angry, how do I act in my anger? How do I not sin in my anger? And I think the Beatitudes are a good mm-hmm. start for that. But um, it says the pure in heart shall see God. And, um, and so I think again, it gets back to that. Where is the heart? What is our anger tuned to? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's going to come out of our mouth and our speech. So that's also all over Proverbs and, in um james it talks about the tongue Mm -hmm. so um yeah so that's some clarifications about looking at jesus's life i and please remind me of your original question like oh how do we act then as humans right right? is that story just to show us what to give us a glimpse into the righteous anger of christ Mm -hmm. or is it supposed to be mimic and represented in our own life as we one look inward towards our own temples and two look towards our own local churches, our Christian brothers and sisters, are we supposed to exemplify that much passion and zeal for purity in in the church like Christ did? Or is that just like a, only Jesus could be bad like that? Yeah. So I think the heart of that, either that argument or the question is specifically about the John verse is people want to justify their right. actions. They want to justify how they're responding mm-hmm. in their anger and be able to do something violent. Um, I don't want to just <laughs> yeah. say violent, but like very obvious. Like it also yeah. could be like making a scene. Doing something abrasive. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like he's make, making a scene oh, yeah. and throwing a tantrum. Like when you're just reading it right. on the surface. Right. Um, I mean, my kid does that in stores, right? right. Like he right. flips over right. a table and right. <laughs> things fly everywhere. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that doesn't literally happen. That just <laughs> I could. Guess, I was thinking I mean, it head. probably wow. could. I'm trying to yeah. think if... <laughs> I'm just saying that's something that like a toddler does. They throw tantrums in stores. So it seems like, it seems like, is he just, is that the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. And I think most of the time people are, instead of taking the principle of look at how Jesus chose to respond in that context, in his anger for very intentional ends, he wasn't just reacting. Mm -hmm. We, I think we see him we might misunderstand and think he's just react. He just felt Mm -hmm. angry and reacted. No, Jesus was responding Mm -hmm. intentionally. And so instead in our own life, we're not going to be in the same situation in the same context. And so our response is going to go off a a principles we see in scripture about how it, we respond in holy anger, not in replicating specific actions. So like, 
um, yes, anger might make us weep, but it doesn't have to, just like in John 11. And yes, anger might make us throw something, but it doesn't have to. Jesus was driving out stuff out of the temple. So he was he was getting the animals out. He was yeah. like, that was the purpose and his yeah, response to yeah. anger. Not just that he wanted to flip a table. Yeah. He wanted to drive out what was there. Yeah, it seemed, even though some people might disagree because they can't read, but it, it, it seems like this is, there's a difference between uncontrollable anger where you're just flipping, going crazy and then very precise, controlled there's a purpose and a plan. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was like, here's the goal. I'm trying to get this crap out of the temple yeah. and not, he, he wasn't trying to make the temple more dirty and messy by just blowing it all up. He was trying to get it out. And that's two yeah. different things. His goal was purity and redemption. So like the goal and of righteous anger is what produces, what actions out of this feeling mm-hmm. produces purity, um, reconciliation mm-hmm. with God and others redemption and like exemplify the exemplification of truth, which is justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why Jesus did that. We, it's not just that he reacted. Yeah. So when we're looking at how do I respond to my anger? We don't just replicate the actions we see. Cause in a different context, it's not going to mean the same thing. Mm. Okay. Then that I guess leads perfectly into kind of my next question on then what is righteous, holy anger? What is that? It's because if we can't exactly replicate Christ, um, obviously this comes down to in some ways a question of discernment and prudence. I understand that. And and yet most theological questions, some well, I don't want to say most of them. There's a lot of very clear black and white in scripture. But some of these things do come down to, okay, what situation are you in? What's the problem? What are you angry about? And what is your plan and goal in, if you're going to kind of use that anger to make change, what, what's the end goal of your change that these are some questions that maybe you should ask yourself, but what I I guess, yeah, what is, we'll get into the unrighteous types of anger later, but what are, what are the, the righteous types of anger or how can you figure out, if mm-hmm. you are engaging in righteous anger or just being angry and bitter and whatever. Yeah. First, I think, yeah, I I think I automatically want to go to like what not to do. But first, to answer your question, um, it's okay to feel angry. So I think f- some of us want to stop short of feeling angry because we don't want to sin. But then we are angry. So we're just bitter then and all these other things. And you're so suppressing you're, anger. Su- you're, I would say you're repressing it. Like repressing, like suppressing okay. maybe. Yeah. I, the distinguish distinguishing factor in my mind is like self-control. You're kind of suppressing what you would do mm-hmm. in some ways. And that's a good thing. Repressing is like, I'm denying its reality, mm-hmm. but it's still there. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. still real. And the reason I say it's really important to feel acknowledge your anger that doesn't mean you need that you can just stop there you don't need to say anything yet you don't need to do anything yet Mm -hmm. but to recognize i am angry is very important and here's why because um if we don't know what the issue is we are not gonna we're gonna slap a solution on something and it won't actually fix the problem and so we need to recognize i'm angry because it will help us get at am i angry for a good reason 
right. or a bad reason. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I need to go to God about this? Like, how do I need to go to other people about this? What do I need to do? So first, in even processing anger in a godly way, we need to acknowledge and own the fact that we are angry. Yeah. And um, I think Jesus did that. Can I? Yeah. I... Okay, so I've I've struggled with this. I think through my life there was a big so I think maybe before I was born people would say you can tell me cuz you're old enough. Uh, people <laughs> would say <laughs> uh, people would say don't be angry at God. Like don't be angry at God. I and then and then in my, you know, when I was born in 1999 and going through evangelical churches for the last 22 years, 24 years actually. I I heard a bunch of, it's actually okay to be angry at God. It's okay to be angry at God. Okay. And maybe there's two different categories here. Maybe you're talking, and maybe we need to, to distinguish this. It There seems to be maybe a difference between being angry at God and being angry at other people or yourself, because something never sat right with me in the church shifting from don't be angry at God to it's okay to be angry at God. Like, it's okay to feel those emotions. I And I think that what shifted was that don't be angry at God while it sounded harsh and maybe it didn't give enough recognition to the fact that people do feel angry. Like, it just don't do that. Okay. Uh, it didn't. It, it called, I think it called Christians to a higher standard of you need to be in control of your emotions, that your emotions don't just come on to you. And like you're some uncontrolled, like you're, you're a victim of your emotions that your anger just comes on to you and you need to recognize that and let that flow through you. That's kind of what it sounds like to me, which is all psychological stuff. And from when I read scripture, it's like, okay, I don't know if that justifies anger towards God. Maybe it, maybe it justifies anger towards whatever the person Mm -hmm. who stole from me, but does it justify anger towards God or does God say, look, bro, I'm God. You're you. You can't be angry at me. You need to control your emotions and you need to control your anger and you need to let you need to repent of that. The second that that comes into your brain and get away from that. I don't know. Have, is there yeah. any. I, that is a good question. Um, and it's really relevant to lots of things, including church hurt. But um, I think the difference, the shift happens. Yeah, language is so tricky. So I think taking even a step back and so remember, anger can kind of assign a judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically like I'm disapproving of something. So even before that, I think you can recognize I'm angry and I'm assigning a judgment onto this person or God. Um, or even myself, uh, and I need to know what I'm judging and what I'm feeling so that I can be corrected. So the difference I think is, are you feeling angry and your action then is like, I should judge God. I'm just going to keep judging God. I'm going to be angry at God and I'm not going to go to him. No, that is, that's sin. That's sinning in your anger. Or are you saying I'm feeling angry? I'm going to go to God about it Mm -hmm. and say, am I Am I right? Like, is my heart tuned right in my anger? Am I angry about something I should be? And if not, that's to be repented of. And so does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you need to recognize 
when you're angry, the first question should be, what am I angry at? Or what am and I angry for? And asking God that. Yeah. yeah. And don't just come up with some stupid conclusion in your head. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm not angry at God. I'm just angry at what he said. It's like, well, yeah, those are the same thing. Or you know what I mean? That That's, I mean, that or I'm angry at what the Bible says, but it doesn't make me angry at God. Well, one of your perception of either what the Bible says or of God is either wrong mm-hmm. in that situation. And you got a big problem. But you, you're saying really pinpoint what what that is ask god maybe even ask others mm-hmm. ask friends ask counselors yes. and mentors um, here's the situation i'm pissed and i think it's about this this and this but sometimes somebody will be like that's not what it's about at all you're you're frustrated mm-hmm. with this and you think you're frustrated with that so that you can justify being frustrated with this right and yeah one phrase that i say a lot in my family um with my kids is we can feel our feelings. We're not going to listen to them. And that, so we're not going to do what they tell us to do. Yeah. So, because they are a signpost, they kind of point us to where our heart is tuned. Mm -hmm. And then we need to go to God and others who are trustworthy to just determine then where do I go from here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so asking that question is pivotal. You can't, you can't get to, and and I'll, I'll probably say this. I don't know if this will make, no, I don't think this is wrong at all. I think more times than not, you'll recognize that your anger is not justified and good, and you'll need to repent of it. Yeah, I I mean, it kind of goes, it could be either one. I would say that often your anger might be justified, but you can't do what you want, wish you could do, to, do to in your anger. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the, basically the, the sinful part. <laughs> and um, I want to say one thing about processing yeah, emotions. Yeah. It might seem easier for some people to process their anger because they just explode. Um, Or, I mean, the same is true for sadness because some people cry more easily. Mm -hmm. It is hard for every human to process our emotions because they point us to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And like, we have to come before him and say, what do I do with this? Like, is this right? This is how I feel. What do I do? Right. Forces humility. Yes. And um, so emotional expression, crying, authentically quote unquote yeah expressing your anger um canceling people whatever it is like expressing your emotion is not the same as processing your emotion yeah and okay. all humans really want to deny that we want to justify we want to yeah. avoid processing your emotions because of how it um makes us right. look straight in the face of god and say yeah. i am a human i yeah. like is my heart tuned in the right way Right. Yeah. If you're like me and you think that you process your emotion through punching people in the face, <laughs> then that's it. Might, it might help you feel relief, but yeah. it doesn't. That's not processing. It doesn't it. Yeah, like right. resolve. Yeah. It. Yeah. Totally. Um. Okay. Oh, I had a question in my head about something that you just said. Um. What was the first thing that you said? I know that this is tough, and I want like the steps of how to. Which first thing that I said in this past question? Yeah, um, I said that you have to identify that you're feeling angry because right now mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a respectable feeling. I say that as in like there's some feelings we think are more bad than others. Mm-hmm. And that's a phrase from Jerry Bridges, who has a phrase of there's respectable sins, which are basically sins that we feel like are not as bad as oh. other ones. So anxiety, for example, mm-hmm. people will all the time come mm-hmm. and talk to me. And are often rightfully mm-hmm. angry because mm-hmm. an injustice has happened to them. But they feel they say they feel anxious because mm-hmm. then when we get to I feel angry. They're like, I can't feel angry. That's bad. Like, it's bad to feel angry. 
So I think it's just really, but it has impacted all of the, like we're still acting out of our anger. We're either bitter, we're holding on to something. So it's really important to identify your anger so that you can process it as anger and apply the correct balm or solution to it. Okay. Okay. I thought, I thought that's good. I thought of the question. You mentioned that there's, there's some sort of uh, relationship between uh, okay, you uh, lied to me. Let's just, I'm going to use this example. You okay. you lie to me, and I'm angry at you. And we would say, I think you would say that's a. Ju- I mean, that's just. I'm angry at you for lying to me. Uh, okay. I think it's technically just. I also think it might not be biblically or theologically just in this way, that you you lying to me and me being angry at you. Uh. I think it asserts myself at, in, I think it's a prideful response to somebody being sin, sin, sinning towards me as if I haven't done the same thing to a thousand people in my life a hundred thousand different times. And mm-hmm. that I, being angry at somebody, being angry, a liar being angry at a liar is just a hypocrite. They're, they're just, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's what has been somewhat confusing and frustrating in talking about how we're supposed to be processing emotions and anger throughout my life that I, I was trying to reconcile the biblical truth that you are a sick scumbag who deserves to go to hell and you've sinned against in every possible way you've sinned and you don't even recognize how much you've sinned. And when people sin against you, it's okay to be angry at them because they've been, they've acted unjustly towards you. And yet, I've acted unjustly towards them and everybody else. So how am I even mm-hmm. supposed to be angry at them? That's actually not justice. It kind of like cancels out at the end of the day and we shouldn't be angry at each other at all because how could I be angry at somebody? How, how is it just, is it justful or justly? I don't know what the word is, but how is it, how is it, uh, what is a word? Justful? Is that no, a it's word? Just. How is it just? Ma- I guess that's true. <laughs> This that happens to me like once every couple podcasts where there's just an obvious word and I'm how is it justful? Um, okay, yeah, okay. How is it just that I am angry? I'm going to be angry at somebody for sinning against me when I sin against everybody else. That is like the definition of of not being just of injustice. Okay, that is a fantastic question. It skips. However, like if we do that, I mean, you're right. You're right. However, it skips completely atonement, which is what resolves our negative emotions that drive us to the cross. So let me break that down. Mm-hmm. So if you're just saying, if, if you're saying like, well, I shouldn't feel angry um, because I am the same. That is true. But that's actually a question about forgiveness, which is a response to anger. And if you don't feel angry... Like if a wrong is against is done against you and none of us felt angry mm-hmm. about wrongs done against us or other people, we would not need to forgive anyone because there would be no problem. Right. So like. Right. So basically it's similar to in John 11 when Jesus stops at the tomb and weeps because something had weight like the death has weight. Right. Sin has weight. Our actions against each other that are harmful make us feel angry because it disrupts the relationship. And that is, that has weight. And so if we don't acknowledge the weight and we try to deny the weight Mm -hmm. of 
of it so that we feel fine. <laughs> um, even if it's like, well, I d- like you said, like it's true that I'm also a sinner and I sin all the time. And so I should forgive. But you can't forgive without feeling the weight of something. I was going to say the interesting thing about that that I haven't thought of because uh, I was thinking, OK, yeah, 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 whatever. You can just both parties can can just acknowledge the objective sin that's been done and then move forward without feeling anger towards each other. But that's, that's a very, uh, like that's a very objectifying way of looking at reality that you can detach the emotions connected to what happens when you sin against people. Okay. This is going to sound dumb for people, but this is, uh, this is me in real time recognizing the, that those two things are connected that that when you sin against somebody that there's an emotional that there's some sort of emotional uh impact impact yeah. or yeah there's like an emotional consequence yeah. mm-hmm. to that sin and and it impacts the relationship it, it impacts, changes it right and that's that the emotional consequence is always tied to the to the objective sinful action that you can't detach those two things and have two mm-hmm. parties just be like, oh, I sinned. Yeah, you sinned. We agree. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, that's not how that works. There's there's this, like, the emotional sphere happening there, too. And I don't mm-hmm. know. You can't see it, but it's real. And it's always connected to the mm-hmm. sin is interesting. I don't think I've and ever thought of that. I think that's why you see... Um, so when something is traumatic, it means you're kind of stuck in the past or stuck in that mm-hmm. thing that happened to you. Um suffering you know happens all the time but and we experience grief and and pain similarly but it's not you're stuck in there not, that emotional spot yeah so in mean? trauma you're stuck in an emotional spot and largely when that happens is when the reality is denied so the emotional weight aligns us with reality mm-hmm. and so it's really important to recognize it because it really doesn't work to just say that didn't happen or it doesn't matter mm-hmm. It does matter. It does matter. And it did. And it Mm -hmm. made an impact that people could see and then chose not to see instead of choosing to come to the one who could offer, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, justice for the victim in the vengeance of God. Uh, And so that's another thing about anger. The vengeance is God's. That's we haven't gotten into that yet. But also forgiveness for the perpetrator. And the good news in that is that there is weight like uh, often a victim of something just wants to know that they're not crazy. Like they're not crazy that that was wrong and that it should have mattered to someone and they should have been protected. Mm -hmm. And all those things are true. And so denying reality has huge consequences in people's lives and in our lives. Um, And that really has to do with, are we identifying the emotion Mm -hmm. and what it, points to and you're saying part of that yeah that part of that reality is the emotion you yes. cannot yeah. detach the emotion from the reality it it is so interesting to me to think about this now because that i was i've always been somewhat okay with the, with the great christian mystery of why god created people with emotions <laughs> i've just been like i guess that's just how he wanted to do things it seems to me that it complicates everything and yet the emotional aspect of the human being is what in a lot of ways makes for all of these things. That's why we need a Bible. And it's like, why it's why we need instruction. And, and also 
it's kind of oops it's kind of what makes us free uh free in a way or agents morally responsible for our sins is our emotional mm-hmm. capacity and not just our moral capacity and that those mm-hmm. two things are intertwined but they're also somewhat different okay yeah, yeah. i want to say one note on that because i because i just basically was like we should feel like feelings lead demonstrate an emotional or a um a spiritual weight of something yeah and that can be misused very easily to then tell other people that they should feel a certain way and that no like that's not you will only people will only experience transformation Mm -hmm. and resolution of our emotions when we take ownership for our own emotions and so you can't tell tell someone else how what they're feeling you could say this is a proper emotion if somebody yes you you can affirm right or you could say do you feel this way? Right. But it, I've just seen it used almost as a weapon. Like, well, you weren't even sad about that. And right. it was a big deal. Like you can say to about yourself, I was sad about that. I was hurt. You hurt me. You, and you didn't right. notice. It seemed to notice. Like, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I'm wondering, could you do this? So your, your parents got divorced. People mm-hmm. know that, right? Okay. Yep. Your parents got divorced. And let's say you just like, you just pretended that they didn't. And I don't know if that really happened. Well, <laughs> but you, but you just kind of suppressed. There, yeah. You didn't deal mm-hmm. with the problem. You didn't feel, quote unquote, feel anything. Mm-hmm. It probably came out in all different ways. And somebody came to you and said, Jill, you know, that's that you're not the proper response to a situation like this is anger, sadness, hurt, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, that's okay. That yes. that's uh, that yeah. you you some people are going to have jacked up ways of dealing with their. I hate using the word trauma. Mm-hmm. It's been so overused. But when people sin against them, yeah. they're going to have mm-hmm. jacked up ways of of being able to recognize the proper response. So either they're most of the time, I think you see either they're going to explode and go yeah. nuts, or they're going to suppress and suppress and suppress mm-hmm. and not feel anything and push everything down. And both of those responses are usually wrong. And it, a good counselor might say, or a good disciple or somebody might say, okay, yeah, the emotions are there. You, you're you just, the proper feeling here, the proper thing yeah. you should be thinking and feeling right now is I'm frustrated, I'm angry, right. I'm sad, and I'm hurt, I'm whatever. And you're not doing that. And so yeah. you're lashing out or you're suppressing in all these ways that is causing- And being numb. Yeah. And being yeah. numb. Mm-hmm. And it makes you into, you're just not a human. And right. so- uh and so that's, 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 you got to do that, right? Yes. As a Christian, that's what we yeah. got to do that. And so that's where you start kind of at the surface of where sometimes you have to start at different things than the feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, so someone in a certain situation might realize, like, I feel like I, every time I'm in that situation, I um, start sweating and feel like my heart is racing. Sure. So that's like, you can even start. Like, okay, so the the next question is, why is that happening? Why is that happening? And so what I meant before about, like, you can't really tell someone else how they're feeling. What I meant by that is everyone expresses their emotions in different ways and healing happens in its time. And so um, we can, we should and can, as brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage and facilitate that process for each other. But it can also instead be weaponized as in, like, for per, for justification of your own argument. Yeah. yeah when you right. say, well, you don't seem sorry mm-hmm. because you're not expressing X, Y, Z, or mm-hmm. like you don't seem like you care because you're not expressing X, Y, Z. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. and those, th- it might actually be true. Like it could be true that they're mm-hmm. not sorry and that they don't care. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just saying where, how are we then using our own anger to judge others, right. you know? So I just want to make sure that, cause a lot of psychological concepts can be t- absorbed and then use as weapons against other people instead of for yeah. your own transformation. Right. So that's and all the dis- with theological that's, truth. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to right. distinguish was use this for yourself to say, how do I identify right. my own anger before I look at that person and be like, well, mm-hmm. they're angry all the time and they have no idea. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the speck in your own eye situ- right. or log in your own eye spec in the situation. Um, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about some, some expressions of sinful anger. Obviously we kind of just talked a little bit about how you, what are maybe some tests and some questions that you should ask yourself when you do get angry to figure out whether or not this anger is righteous, good, holy, or whether it's sinful. Well, now we're going to tell you about some sinful expressions of anger. Uh, and, and then, you know, you'll know about that. And then maybe what questions you can ask yourself, what maybe, I don't know if there's any other questions. I'm I'm sure that the questions that we already gave, you know, depending on the answer tells you whether or not your anger is sinful or not. Uh, but we got a list of, 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 sinful angers here. And so the first one is bitterness. Do you want to tell people, I don't give a a brief Mm -hmm. definition of bitterness and what it is. Yeah. Um, so I think most of these, I was just kind of scanning through fall under either self justification or vengeance. So that's kind of like an internal response and an external one, whether it's literally lashed out on, like some of them are more passive, but, Mm -hmm. and I think that points to, again, anger wants to justify and judge. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this is like a distorted way of doing that where we seek self-justification in some way and vengeance. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just, I'm looking for the list here. I'm scanning. I Bitterness it in my... is repressed versus suppressed anger, anger that simmers on low oh, there it is. nursing okay. anger. Like a, pet. thank you. I just couldn't find the list in my notes. Okay. So bitterness, um, yeah, this is a good example of what happens when you deny your anger. Mm-hmm. So a couple of these are sort of like, well, I don't feel angry. I should be kind. I should be nice. I shouldn't care. It doesn't just go away by itself. <laughs> so right. um, this is, uh, yeah, as Andy said, mm-hmm. I wrote down, like, it's like anger that simmers on low kind mm-hmm. of forever. And um, I think it oftentimes manifests itself in passive, passive yes. aggressive. And passive anger we have down here, too. Yeah. But it does, I I think it comes out sideways, um, which, by which I mean, it will come out, your pain will come out in other ways. Like yeah. your feelings will come out yeah. in other ways. Whether in totally it's, confusing. Yeah, I mean, in totally it, confusing it, ways. Everybody thinks you're a jerk because you fly off the handle on weird stuff yeah. or you do weird things. So, yeah. I mean, but also bitterness can look like depression. It can, like, it can lead sure. to depression. Right. It can lead to like substance abuse. It can lead to eating disorders. It can, yeah. you know, you kind of you end up like f- having this urge to resolve the anger through justification, right. Or vengeance on something. And so that could be turned inwards. It could, but bitterness is usually like kind of ranting at someone in your head, mm-hmm. you know, like that's kind of like, <laughs> but you, you might just, I mean, it'll come out. It'll, it'll come out. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it like, yeah, uh, it's aging. It's ugly. It, it, I, I think it just people who I know are bitter are just gross. I, I don't know how else to put it. I don't know if I should say that, but it, they're, it ages. I don't know. How, mm-hmm. it, they, it makes you old. It makes you, I, you know, I know all the, 
old people that I know, a lot of them are bitter and angry and they're just thinking about crap that happened to them their whole life and they don't never dealt with it. And they just spend the rest of their life just angry at people. So most of them are dead already. And so I don't know, but that's just what I think. about. It's, it is like, it is enslaving. It, it's such a slippery sin. I mean, most sin is slippery, but yeah. it feels so righteous and mm-hmm. satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a prison. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it will poison you. So yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's go through these quick. I- irritation. What yeah, is that's irritation? again. I mean, these are all just like ways yeah. it could look. Okay. Um, I mean, you can be bitter okay. and irritated. Like mm-hmm. irritation is more of like it's right underneath the surface, and yeah. so like it kind of just comes out. Right. Um. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'll read these off, and then great. And then we. I want to get to one thing before we have to end. Uh, you say you have irritation, you have arguing, disagreeable, he said, she said, of interpersonal friction. Anger is often emotion at the root of interpersonal conflict. I don't even know how I feel about that. We'll talk about that in a different podcast. Um, <laughs> this is all from Good and Angry from David Polison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Except for some, I added a few. So, okay. Violence. Everybody knows what that is. Passive anger. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Self-righteous anger. Uh, oftentimes kind of like, kind of like the Pharisees, very legalistic, very, I'm better than, you know, it just puts yourself atop mm-hmm. everybody else. It's prideful, um, denial of wrong. Uh, yeah, man, that, uh, yeah, that's denial of wrong. Or I would even say, look, not willing to see reality. I know, yeah. that, I know that that's what denial of wrong is, but in some ways this person, yeah, uh, there's something to somebody spending their whole life choosing not to see reality that ends conflicts. They can't see it anymore. And so they might be in denial, but this seems to be like denial of wrong seems to be a phrase that you would use for somebody who's choosing to deny it. Is there something for people who have denied tr- the reality for so long that they've completely suppressed any sort of understanding of reality so that when they get into new conflicts, it's not that they're denying it. So they literally can't see it. I mean, the the scriptures talks about like searing the searing of the conscience. So like yeah. in a way, your conscience is acting when there's a wrong by making you angry. Mm-hmm. And if your solution to anger is I'm just not going to. So in that case, though, if you're not willing to see your own wrong, it's shame. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to deny shame. You're trying to. Kind of like you're trying to not feel it as a solution to the problem instead of feeling it so that you turn in the right direction and you know if you're wronged and you feel angry and you ignore the anger eventually you you kind of like put up with more wrong Hmm. because you're you're not allowing yourself to feel the natural response that would point you towards wholeness and truth i mean it has consequences i'm not trying to say it works um it does have consequences and yeah. so but the scriptures right. i think that's kind of what the scriptures are talking about with searing sure. of your conscience yeah Yeah. okay okay and then i want to talk about for the for as we wrap this up i think and there's so much in here that we didn't get to maybe we could do a whole other podcast on this we just have a time we have to be done by a certain time but the i think the great sin of anger for our time isn't a big loud lashing out I think it's, and I'm not even going to say culturally, I think in the church, it's passivity. It's passive aggressive, passive anger, uh, not confronting problems, but letting them 
kind of simmer and then becoming bitter and then distancing and then creating justifications for hating people rather than just a explosion. I think the only people that I know who are going to explode are people in my family. And then everybody else I've met in my life in my generation and the millennials, they just want to be passive about everything. They don't want to deal with anything. They want to, they don't want to cause conflict, even though that they don't recognize that being passive causes a ton of conflict. And so how and maybe you have a different assessment of what people of these our two generations are dealing with but one yeah do you agree that that's the one of the bigger sins of anger that we see now and two how can people recognize when they're doing that how can they stop yeah it feels like a rule just based on what you're saying um like i don't have any research on how prevalent that is or anything like that but based on what you're saying and I have seen that problem. I think we've, as Christians, we've tried to, again, kind of like self atone by just not feeling angry. We feel like it's bad to feel angry. So it's, it's sort of like the phrase, like, don't shoot the messenger. Like if you're angry, deal with that. Like it's just the messenger. Like, you know, the conflict it might create is not the problem. And I think to rec- when you recognize, like you said earlier, that anger is just a natural reality. That it's like it's a messenger. It'll come to you. Yeah. It'll tell you what's up. Okay. Even if you think that it's wrong to be angry, anger still exists. And you redefining what anger is so that you can be angry in a different type of way, but not use the word angry. It's still angry. I, the, the You can try to change the definitions and the mm-hmm. titles of words, but it's just still angry. And even further than that, like if your act, if it is controlling how you judge people how you act like it is Mm self-atonement and it and it it, that is like it's turning into a sin right like you're sinning in your anger and so um because it hasn't been reckoned with Mm -hmm. so um just to help start processing that like I mean, we have like three minutes, so maybe we could talk more about this. I think we need to look at how in the scriptures, the way to deal with anger is um, through, I mean, we kind of were talking about this before. Again, I'm trying to find my list. Okay. So like through meekness, gentleness, self-control, impartiality, these all come through the power of the spirit. So we like need to, again, feel anger and then go to God mm-hmm. for his help. Right. Um, forgiveness, um, growing in a sense of right or wrong that is tuned to God's ways and his morality so that we can act in a just way mm. uh, and bear in patience with one another, forgive one another. Um, I think forgiveness is basically the radical response to anger. Um, and that we see in the gospel and um, like constructive conflict that seeks to redeem. So that's kind of what we see in the temple illustration that where Jesus is not even illustrations, like literal story um, where Jesus is flipping over the tables. He is doing, he is creating conflict to show this is the reality of the problem. There is a problem here. This should not be in the temple of the Lord. So I need to drive it out. So like constructive conflict is seeing the problem and 
dealing with it in a way that seeks to redeem it through our actions. Yeah. And Jesus also tears down to rebuild. I mean, right. he tears, yes. the, he says, I will tear, tear the, bring the temple down and in three days, rebuild it. Mm-hmm. That's also and, in um, Jeremiah 31 as yeah. a prophecy. Yeah. And so that there, again, there, there's an aim and a purpose for his tearing of tearing down of things or, or cleaning things out. He, that he's not just destroying things for the sake mm-hmm. of destroying things. And I think that's the cowardly, easy way of dealing with problems. It's just, obliterating everything in your past you're in your path and then not building anything up not trying to you can tear things down and nothing wrong with that but you have to have a plan in place and you shouldn't be tearing everything down i think Mm -hmm. there's some things that need to be torn down and i would look inward first before you start to look out outward what do you need to tear down inside yourself yeah there's one book um, that's been really helpful recently to me it called uh the coddling of the american mind and it talks about how as a society, um, I mean, it just talks about a lot of things as a society, but one of the untruths that we believe, this is also not a Christian book. So I think they're very insightful. They're getting at something that is true. Um, and I don't know if they're Christians or not, but, um, one of the untruths that they say we believe is, is an untruth of emotional reasoning, which is basically that, I feel this. And so this must be true. It's like allowing our yeah. feelings to Dictate define reality, our reality. Yeah. And that is going to be different for each person. Cause yeah. we're all going to respond yeah. to, to things differently. Right. Yeah. But so that's, first of all, just practically not possible. But second of all, um, throughout all of history, even like Christian or not the human response to emotion rightfully is to question it, to say, yeah. to like, to feel it, and know it so that we can ask what it means right. and if it's correct. And, and so you even, right. they talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy in their book. That's just a modern example. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy has similar patterns to like even monastic mm-hmm. practices and other things like that. But um, cognitive behavioral therapy questions what they say are cognitive distortions. And so basically like Mm -hmm. if I feel this thing and so I, what I believe is like, okay, let's say, you know, I believe that I can't trust anyone ever again. Right. Like I need to question that, not just because I feel hurt. I can then say, okay, well I should never believe anyone ever or trust anyone ever again. Mm -hmm. I need to question that and say, wait, are there people I can trust? Like I shouldn't just make that my reality. Right. Right. And so I think we're in an age where we are doing that all the time without realizing it. We're saying, I feel this way. And so I'm going to assign a reason and a judgment to it. And then that is reality. And, um, one of the problems with that is that it totally upends what reason is and you can't, it's actually not reasonable on its face. Cause then we think we're being logical when we're, we're having a feelings conversation. And you're redefined reason and logic just so that you can have, justify your whatever your emotion is which makes you a tyrannical little i can't use the it makes you a tyrant it makes you a little tyrant who controls distorts and uh, manipulates reality in whatever ways that you want to based off of however you feel and whatever your heart desires and that's a that is the worst place you could possibly be and it it is self-atonement ultimately like you're trying to define reality so that you can live up to it and be Right. Um, be righteous. Right. And so um, it skips the gospel right. and and the atonement in Christ. Well, which... but it's good in some sense. It's interesting they said that's good because it also <laughs> what it what it is then what it also does then is that it proves your 
place in all of this is that if if the only way that you can get by in life is by redefining reality uh, and degrading it down to whatever sinful pleasures that your heart wants, and because that's all that you can live up to, it proves your need for the Savior, and it mm-hmm. proves your depravity and sinful nature, and that you've your only yes your only way of dealing with reality is by degrading it and making it into this sinful mess so that you can feel like you've lived up to that mm. which proves that you're depraved and and the good up. news of the gospel is at any point you can say i was wrong i'm sorry yeah i need you and i need to live up please to change me yeah. yeah and like that happens in an instant yeah. and right. so that's like the whole repentance forgiveness and, yeah. thing but um, another time we can right, talk right, more about right, that. Right, right, right. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we should. We have a lot more notes on this, but we can do it in a different podcast. Jill, uh, for people listening on Optive, Jill has a podcast, the Oaks Podcast. Uh, for people listening on Oaks, I have a podcast, Optive Theology Podcast. <laughs> um, you can find more stuff on on those feeds if you wanna. If you wanna get involved with Oaks oakscollaborative.com and you do a class and a bunch of stuff you can get in contact with jill anything else that people need to know about you before we go i don't think so okay all right jill thanks for doing this Uh, if you like this podcast make sure you like subscribe share this with your friends give us a five-star rating and we will see you in the next one goodbye bye